0: about growing in wisdom in the year 2020 and growing that way. So you don't have to stand, but let's pray. Father God, we do thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for each person that's here. I thank you, Father, that we get the opportunity to dive into your word and to gain your wisdom. Father, we want to be like Jesus. We want to increase and to grow in wisdom So that we might look like Him and talk like Him and think like Him and feel like Him and do like Him and be like Him. So that we might see Him and trust and believe in Him. And in doing so, we might be saved. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. If you agree with me, won't you say amen? Amen. And amen. amen. You don't have to turn there, but in the book of 1 Samuel chapter about 25... There is a story of a man named Nabal. And Nabal is there, and the story goes that, that David and some of his men, uh, well, David's men, approached some of Nabal's men and approached Nabal and told them, We've been good to you. We have guarded your flock. We have kept guard over them. We have not done you any harm. Matter of fact, we've done good to you. We are David's men. And our master has asked if we could have a celebration and celebrate the feast, if you would give us some of the first of your flock, if you'd give us an offering, so that we might have supplies for our men. Nabal responded by saying, who is this David? I don't even know who he is. Uh, Many have come in the name of, of being some, I don't even know who he is. It was this tremendous insult. David had defeated Goliath. David was in Saul's care. David was a great champion. David was to be the anointed king. And yet Nabal says, Who is he? I don't even know him. Well, one of Nabal's men and his servants goes to his wife Abigail and says, "Uh, You know, I hate to say this to you, Abigail, but your husband Nabal is a scoundrel. And What he has done is insulted David, and we are certain that David is going to send his men back to kill us. Abigail gets word of that, and Abigail gets together an offering. Abigail gets together uh, uh, something to present to David, sustenance for his men, provide provisions for them. And maybe, just maybe, David won't kill all of them. When David hears the word about what has happened and what Nabal has said, he decides to send an entourage to him and say, this Nabal, we're going to kill him, his household, and everything associated with them. Abigail takes her offering and meets David and his men before he gets to Nabal. And he says to David this, Uh, She says to him, she falls at his feet. She worships him. She acknowledges that he has been anointed king. She acknowledges his position. She acknowledges his special place in God's economy. And she says, please have mercy on us. Please accept this offering because my husband Nabal is just like his name. And Nabal's name means fool. He is a fool. And so David uh, has mercy and you read the rest of the story on Abigail and Nabal's uh, 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 foolish activity comes to a head and he gets killed in, in, in the later on in that chapter or the next. And, and it gives me this idea of acting foolish, being foolish, and not even know you're doing so. He, it, the Scripture says in, in 1 Samuel chapter 25 when it introduces Nabal that Nabal is of the household of Caleb. So he ought to know better. David knows who Nabal is. Nabal is a child of uh, 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 one of the children of Israel. Nabal is a Jew. Nabal is of the... He should know who David is. And yet you can act foolish and put yourself and those around you in harm's way. And I have, just like many, looked at Luke chapter 2 verse 52 and, and thought that when it says and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man, that first category, Corey, uh, and Jesus increased in wisdom, we have mistakenly thought that that is a category that suggests that Jesus grew only intellectually. but But intellect, the accumulation of knowledge... And wisdom are two different things. Because grandma used to tell me, you can be an educated. You can still be a fool and have accumulated all kinds of knowledge. Wisdom is so important that Proverbs 3:13 says, Happy is the man who finds wisdom. Proverbs 4:5 says, Get wisdom, exclamation point. Get understanding. Exclamation point. Proverbs 9, 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Matthew chapter 11, it says in verse 19, The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But Jesus says, But wisdom is justified by her children. What Jesus is saying there is this, Wisdom is justified by the outcome of the decision that you have made. It will either be exposed as wise or foolish. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 19 says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness of, with, with God which tells you there is a wisdom according to the world and there is a wisdom according to what comes from God. You can be wise in this world and still be foolish in the things of God. So the wisdom of God is more important than the wisdom of this world because the wisdom of this world, God says, is foolishness to Him. I'd like to talk a few minutes in terms of this increasing and growing in wisdom I'd like to talk about the significance of wisdom. I'd like to talk about how you seek wisdom. And I'd like to talk about how our Savior is the very wisdom from and of God. The significance, the seeking, and our Savior. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. First of all, I'd like to talk about the significance of wisdom. And I promised you during our time on New Year's Eve that I would introduce you to uh, a piece that I use in premarital counseling. It's entitled, Don't Marry a Fool. Amen. amen. The Bible has much to say about fools. The word fool today usually means a senseless fellow or a dullard. The biblical definition has added the dimension of someone who completely disregards God's Word. So I'd like to give you ten characteristics of a fool. Amen or oh me? Amen. Number one. Proverbs 122 says, how long will you, simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. The first characteristic of a fool is that he hates knowledge. Let the, Lord, let, uh, the people say amen. amen. Proverbs 132 says, number two, for the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. A fool is complacent or lazy. They're lazy and don't realize that, that tomorrow is coming and they need to prepare for it. Number three, Proverbs ten eight: The wise in heart will receive commands, but a prating fool will fall. What is a prating fool? Somebody that talks all the time and ain't saying nothing. My grandmother used to talk about uh, being the grandchild of a slave, and she'd talk about her grandmother a good bit. And I'll never forget what Granny said. Granny said, you know Granny said, her Granny, talking about her Granny, you always knew if a wagon was full or empty by how much noise it made. Think about that for a minute. Uh, A prating fool, somebody that talks all the time and ain't saying nothing. Number four, Proverbs twelve fifteen says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. A fool, one of the characteristics of a fool is you always right, and can't nobody tell you anything. Amen or oh me? Amen. Amen. Number five, Proverbs 14, 16, A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. That means you're mad all the time and you're trusting in yourself. You want to fight all the time. And it it goes along with the next one, number six. A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intentions is hated. Mm. Quick-tempered. You're always sitting sitting on ready to go off on somebody. And you're ready to fight. Always want to fight. Uh, One of the things I have to do with the boys that I coach is that I have to tell them ahead of time that bad times are going to come, Reggie. We were in uh, Lafayette, Alabama. Anybody know where Lafayette, Alabama is? Okay. Uh, We had night games uh, there, Derek, and and I was like, I hope they finish as early as possible because we needed to get out of Lafayette, uh, Alabama real quick. The house was packed, and I said, Coach, do you get this many at your home games? He said, Coach, we're very different than than you guys there in in Fairfield. I said, how so? He said, we're the only thing in town. That gym was packed. And wasn't no brown people there. So I said, guys, listen, there are going to be some things that are said and there are going to be some things that are done that we're... Let me prepare you now. You do not need to go off. And if you do go off, you're going to put us in harm's way. Amen or oh me? So a fool... Is quick-tempered and acts foolishly. Number seven, Proverbs fifteen five. A fool despises his father's instruction, but he who receives correction is prudent. A fool, if an older person or your father or someone in authority with you gives you instruction and you totally disregard it, or they're old, they don't know what they're talking about. Oh, they 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 don't know my situation. They don't know about. Oh, they ain't never had my problem. And 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 you, you listen. A fool despises his father's instruction. Proverbs twenty six eleven says, A dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. A fool does the wrong thing over and over and over and over again. It was vomit the first time, and it's vomit again the second time, and you're going to return to it. Mmm, I felt that. Did y'all feel that? Number nine, Proverbs 28, 26 says, he who trusts in his own heart is a That's where you never get feedback and you never get get counsel and, and you never get accountability and you never get someone else seeing what your situation you never get someone speaking into your life all you can see is 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 uh, is, is your own heart and what you think and what you feel and, and what you've experienced it, it, it's a fool it's foolish we need each other. And God has placed others around us to give us input. Not just spiritual. This is, this is real life stuff here. Right. And then lastly is found in the book of Psalm, Psalms. It's four, Psalm 14.1. A fool says in his heart, what? There is no God. Before we move from this, what I'd like you to see is this. All of us have experienced one or multiple Of these ten characteristics of a fool at one point or another. Amen or oh me? Amen. Amen. Here's the difference. The difference is if you've experienced this as an isolated event, that that has happened to you. It has just happened, but it normally does not happen, then it could be that you're not a fool. You have just acted foolishly on that one situation. You got me? Here's what defines a fool. If one or the, or, or, or multiple of those characteristics are your pattern of behavior. That is the way you always act. You always get angry and quick tempered. You never listen to instruction. You, you, that is your pattern of behavior. And it's just occasionally you'll do the right thing. But this is your pattern. And what Solomon is telling his son is don't make that your pattern because then you're acting like a fool and you're being a fool. You're senseless. You have not regarded God's instruction for your life to protect you, to provide for you. You're acting foolish. And men and women, we've got to be careful about being foolish. Some of us are foolish with our finances and we're in mountains of debt. And we're swimming and drowning in debt. Or God has given us money. And the scripture says in in, in one of the minor prophets that he puts money in your purses with holes in it. He's given you plenty. He's given you enough. But it goes right through you. Others of us have acted foolishly in our relationships. And we feel like we can insult and we can disregard and we can disrespect people. And they still supposed to love us. The same way. No, you burn that bridge. And all of a sudden, when you need to cross it, it ain't even there. With our parents, with our children, and with our extended families, we need to be careful, y'all. Because if we've acted over and over and over and over and over again like that, then all of a sudden, when there is a need, there's no provision. And there's an emergency and there's a crisis and ain't nobody there. So we've got to act wise. And the scripture says that Jesus increased in wisdom. Jesus grew in wisdom. Wisdom. And yes, I do want you to be blessed this year. Yes, I do want this to be a time of your breakthrough. Yes, I do want you to grow. And yes, I do want you to exceed all of your expectations. And God will do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond anything that we can ask or think. But I want us to act wisely. Because here's what happens. And you're looking at someone who knows this. Who has lived recklessly according to their health. And then all of a sudden, I start experiencing the consequences of my reckless behavior. And all of a sudden now, I have to ask God for a miracle. Because I haven't lived wisely. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? We're busy, busy asking God for a miracle. And God says the miracle is in your daily living and daily saying yes to my will. That's what a miracle is. So that's the significance of wisdom. Don't be a fool. It doesn't have anything to do about marrying a fool. Don't be a fool. Don't let these characteristics be a pattern of your behavior over and over. Y'all with me? Y'all with? Is this all right? Or do you want me to hoop? Is this all right? I mean, it's. it's I mean, we can. And, uh, we can do that, or the, or I can do my best to help you. All right, so how do you seek wisdom? How do you seek wisdom? Next point. Seeking wisdom, Luke 2.46, 2, uh, and, and you all know the story. Jesus' family goes to Jerusalem to worship. They go there to worship, and all of a sudden, it must be a large caravan of them because they get a day's way uh, away from Jerusalem after the worship experience, the feast. And they noticed that Jesus isn't in the camp. The scripture says, if you read it in context, that he was about 12 years old. Amen? You with me? He's about 12 years old. And they go back to Jerusalem. And the scripture says, Now so it was that after three days... Now he was there for three days. They found him. And where they found him and what he is doing... Gives us instruction on how to get wisdom. Are you with me? Okay. Five things. Four in this per- verse and then the next slide will be the next one. Number one, they found him in the temple. In order to get wi- wisdom, you got to be in the right place. Some of you all think and many of us think, well, you know, I, I hate going to church. If I miss a few Sundays, folks will start. Eh, listen. I want to be very, very clear. I think everybody ought to go to church and it ought to be a habit. But coming to church isn't for me. And it's not for the leadership of this church. And it's not for us to have a big church. Coming to church is for you. It's for you to have the opportunity to worship and to meet God. And you have to put yourself in the place to find God's wisdom. You ain't going to find it at the office. You may not find it in your house. You may not find it with your friends. At best, they can give you worldly wisdom. Well, girl, let me tell you what I would do if it was me. (laughs) Then all of a sudden, you divorced and you don't even know why. Girl, that's a nice outfit. Let me tell you what I did. You get this card. And then you start buying up everything you want. And you're like, oh my goodness, I'm in a mountain's worth of debt. Listening to these other folks. Yes, you got to put yourself, he was in the temple. Next thing. Not only was he in the temple, but he was in the midst of teachers, of the teachers. Surround yourself with older people who are wiser than you, that are smarter than you, that have more experience than you, that have been a part of life uh, longer and can give you Credible input. We, we, we talk to folk our same age, think they don't know nothing like we don't know nothing. Listen, can I be open and honest with you? And I'm not throwing stones at anybody. I'm just telling you reality, okay? When I was born in 1962, my grandparents were already in their late 60s, almost 70. They, I was born. They were in their late 60s. You you got that? I was born. I was a brand new baby. They were in their 60s. We got grandparents today in their late 30s. There is no time for wisdom. They got the same outfit your parents got on. And going to the same place. Girl, I'll be there. I'm trying to find this babysitter. (laughs) It's going to be popping. (laughs) Listen, the scripture says he was sitting in the midst of who? And he was doing two things. And he was both listening to them and what? The next one. And asking questions. James chapter one, verse nineteen, I believe it is. Check me on this, says, Be quick or 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 swift to listen or to hear and be slow to talk. You gotta listen. Listen. It's not enough to surround with, with older people. You gotta listen. And 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 he's not in the house uh, today, but Brian Cottingham uh, was our uh, middle school kind of young youth, uh, Sunday school teacher for years. And if you've ever talked to Brian for any amount of time, he's going to talk about finances. And all four of my daughters who grew up in this church have listened to, to Brian Cottingham talk about the 10-20-70 the plan. Y'all ever heard that? Yeah. So 10% goes, goes right off the top to the Lord for your tithe. 20% of your income goes to savings and you live off 70% of your in- Now that is contrary to worldly thinking and worldly wisdom, right? right? So how about, and I'm not sharing any specifics, but how about one of my daughters is living what she calls the Brian Cottingham plan. Probably got more savings in the bank than I got. That don't mean a lot. But anyway. <laughs> but what she has done is she's been in the temple. She sat underneath the elders and the teachers. She has both listened and asked questions. Now she's benefiting from it. There is wisdom in that. Are you all with me? Okay, so those are four things. Let me give you the fifth thing and we'll be, we'll be through. I don't want to keep you here all day. Uh, next slide, James chapter 1, verse 5. And it's probably the foundational verse dealing with wit- wisdom. But many of us disregard it because it's so foundational. You go, duh, of course that. But if you've ever practiced it, if you've ever been in a situation where you've needed wisdom, you've gone to this verse. And this verse is James chapter 1, verse 5, where it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him what? Let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So one of the foundational things about wisdom and obtaining wisdom or seeking wisdom is you got to ask God for wisdom. You can't go to your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your, your, your buddy or, or, or your dude and, uh, and, or your boss or, 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 or anybody and ask for wisdom. you got to ask God for wisdom. And filter through the the wisdom of God with everything else that you are hearing. And say, Lord, is this the wise move for me to make? Lord, I need your input in my life. And what is the promise that goes with the verse? He will give it what? He's going to give you wisdom. The problem is, a lot of times we don't ask him. So we don't receive it. You have not because you We've got to ask Him for wisdom. So if I were to, to, to just kind of review a minute, we've got to put ourselves in the place to find wisdom. And, and many times it's in the temple. We've got to surround ourselves with, with the elders and the teachers and, and folks who are wiser and smarter than us and have more experience than us. We've got to listen and ask questions. We, we, we have to ask God for it. But that still brings us to a point where, Pastor Mike, what does Jesus have to do with, with, with wisdom? Point three, our Savior is the wisdom of and from God. Now, follow me, because this point probably could have gone with the other one about obtaining it. But I've separated it because I want you to see how Jesus fits in this category. There are two verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 24 says, But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, these are both Jews and Greeks who are called into a relationship with Jesus Christ, Christ becomes the power of God and the wisdom of God. He, in fact, is the wisdom of God. So if you want wisdom, you got to come to Jesus. You with me? You with me? This will help. But of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. I want to give you something very, very practical that would help with regard to wisdom. Because wisdom is seen in our decision-making process. You with me on this? Because when you come to a crossroads in life, and you got to make a decision, do I go to the right or do I go to the left, it is easy if right is sin and left is is, is holiness. That's an easy decision to make. It's right there in the Scriptures. You're supposed to do what God has called you to do. Amen. But what if you have to make a decision on leaving Birmingham and moving to Atlanta? Lord, I want your wisdom. Lord, I, I, I want your... Yeah, I got quiet there because that's real life, isn't it? Lord, I got... I, Lord, do I send them to this school or do we do like we normally do? You may we need to shut the tape because I don't want to expose nobody. Don't do that. But... uh do I send them to this school or do I use somebody else's address to get them in this other school? You know how we do. But, uh, amen, or oh, me. Y'all ain't got to say nothing to nobody. They didn't say your name on tape. But you know how we do. And, and, and sometimes it is making very, very practical decisions. Now, let me tell you why finding the wise thing to do is difficult. The wise thing to do is difficult in situations like that because we make the decision based on our, the merit of our options. You say, well, well uh, option A has got all these pros and cons, and we start listing them. Option B has all of these pros and cons, and you start listing them, listing them, and you still, it's still a coin flip. Which way do I go? I want to give you a way that would help you in the decision-making process, and I think it has everything to do with the gospel. Write this down because it's not up on your, your screen. The wise way to make decisions is to make decisions based on your priorities. The wise way to make decisions is to make decisions based on your priorities. I should have had a slide for that. I'm sorry. And here's the reason why. Let's say the same thing is, do I move to Atlanta or do I stay in Birmingham? You put a line down and you list all of your priorities. Because here's one thing about decision-making, two things really. Number one, some decisions are more important than others, amen or O oh me. You decide what you're going to eat for dinner. They say, it's a, it's a decision you have to make. But it ain't that important because it ain't the last supper, hopefully. That's right. <laughs> Amen? Because you're going to eat tomorrow. That's right. So, but moving to Atlanta or staying in Birmingham is a lot more important. And then your priorities, you begin listing everything that it's going to affect. Because part, point, point number two, decisions not only affect you, they affect everybody around you. Yeah. Amen? So, you may say, well, God is a priority in my life. Uh, my kids are a priority in my life. My job security is a priority in my life. Uh, uh, being right, you know, psychologically, knowing that I did the right thing, I'm in the right thing, that's important in my life. Physical health is important in my life. Uh, comfort is important in my life. Uh, all of these, money is important in my life. All of these things that are important in your life, the decision may either hit or miss one of those. Some of those priorities, it doesn't matter. Because hey, if you live in, 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 in Atlanta or you live in Birmingham, you're going to need to eat the same way. you know. So, so you don't have to put... But you begin numbering what those things are. And say there are five different areas that it's going to affect. And you, you rank them from one to ten. Ten is, that's very important to me. Uh, uh, number one, is not very significant to me. And let's just say you have four items that were real important. You get the number, those, those four items, you get, get your number about moving to Atlanta, you get your number about staying here in Birmingham, and you say, based on my priorities that I've already made, this ranks higher because that's more important to me. Kim and I had to make, make that decision years ago. Mom and Dad Cater moved down from Chicago. We had just uh, left the ministry that we were in. We were in six months ministry limbo. Uh, They gave us six months to decide whether or not we were going to be with the same group we were with or plant a church. If we stayed with the same group that we were going to be in, we would have had to move to Atlanta. But because Mom and Dad Cater moved to, to Birmingham and one of our priorities was honor your father and mother... And we didn't, one of our other priorities was family stability and we didn't, we didn't have things set up to be able to move nor our finances set up to move to Atlanta. We, we looked at our priorities and we looked at where we were and we thought the best thing for us would be something that would enable us to stay here. The decision was made based on our priorities. Well, Pastor Mike, you said that, that, it, that it wraps around the gospel. God made a decision about coming, leaving heaven, coming down to earth based on his priorities. His priority wasn't comfort that would say, I'm going to stay in heaven because it's comfortable here. They sinned. They did what was wrong. They left our will. They left our way. They did the the opposite of what we had called and created them to do. That's on them. But no. No. Jesus' priority was the human beings that He created. So, they, they, they hung Him high, they stretched Him wide, He hung His head, and then He died. But that's not how the story ends. Right? Because His priority was redemption. His priority was to sanctify us and make us right. His priority was to redeem us. He made the decision to leave heaven, to come down to earth based on priorities and not personal comfort. Based on values. And not whether or not it would satisfy my wants and desires. Jesus even prayed it in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Father, if you can let this cup pass from me, in his humanness, he's praying... He says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And men and women, in terms of wisdom and in terms of finding the wise way, it's not always going to be comfortable. Saving ain't easy. Tithing ain't easy. Every time you write that check, Satan puts in your mind things that you could purchase. With that same money or things that you could do or things you could pay off or things that, hey, and, and, and I'm so sinful. I said, wow, I've been walking with the Lord almost 40 years. What if I saved all that money? No. <laughs> hey, but here's the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God says that you can be, live better on 90% than you can 100. Try and figure that one out. And it's true. And it's true. Because the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. And the wisdom of God is foolishness to this world. So men and women, if we want to grow in godly wisdom, if we want to increase in godly wisdom, we've got to see the significance of it and not act a fool. We, we've got to seek it. It doesn't just come. You've got to seek it. Because if you don't seek it, worldly wisdom is the best you can do. And we've got to make our decisions when it comes to acting wisely and acting foolishly based on our priorities. My priority is being right with God. My priority is my family. My priority is my children and my church. My priority is my wife. And by kids, that's my priority. So let me just announce to you that if my wife and my children ever come in conflict with this church and I have to make a decision, I ain't choosing (laughs) y'all.
1: Bye, Felicia. (laughs)
0: Hey, they're the ones i got to come home to. And every time I have put you before my family, it's always ended in, in, in drama. Always. So anyway, if there's something I'd leave you with, I'd leave you with this. Make your decisions based on your priorities. Right. And if you've got to write it out, write it out. If you've got to work through it, work through it. If you've got to get somebody else to kind of maneuver you and guide you through it and mentor you through it and give you wise counsel, God has placed people in your life To give you that kind of safety net. There is wisdom amongst many counselors. And God says I provide. Some of us. We've acted foolishly in the past. I pray. That we would move forward in his wisdom. And grow in it just like he did. In Jesus name. Let everybody say amen. Father God I pray for my brothers and sisters. As I pray for myself. And I pray Lord Jesus that you would do a work in our lives, that we would increase in wisdom, in wisdom, in wisdom. Lord, that we would not listen only to ourselves, but we'd listen to you and your word, that we'd follow Jesus in this area. Father, it could be that there's one today that needs to follow you, and the wisdom of God is coming to you as Savior and Lord. The wisdom of God is saying... Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of the throne of my life and make me the kind of person you want me to be. Lord, if there's someone who's never, ever done that, they can do that right now.